Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about jobs, rates, the Fed, and the news about HomePoint shutting down. We're also going to look back at the America's Back Recovery Model, which was published three years ago. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking with Matt Dowd, Vice President of Product Management at Ice Mortgage Technology, about mortgage automation. Matt, what has been the biggest challenge you've had to overcome? Really big question. I'd say in the recent history, it has to do with the market condition and lenders' sentiment towards change in investment, right? It's really tough out there, and lenders are faced with some super tough decisions. But the market's going to change, and lenders that are willing to make changes today um, will ultimately be in a much better position when things turn around. Like, we can't control the market. So um, I believe that, you know, as you look at automation and when you're introducing it, you need to establish trust up front and confidence in your users. So get the adoption today, get implemented, get training so that when the market does turn, you're completely prepared to take advantage of that situation. This is so important. And listeners, you can find out more at icemortgagetechnology.com. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah Wheeler, on a glorious three-year anniversary. It is. We are going to have a special celebration at the end of this podcast for that uh, three-year anniversary of the amazing America's Back Recovery Model. But before then, we have a lot to talk about. So first off, Jobs Friday. Yes, Jobs Friday. So the uh, headline number was good. The unemployment rate uh, fell down. Uh, The unemployment rate for people that didn't graduate uh, high school fell actually 1%. So that notched the uh, uh, headline number lower. Uh, But I think the real story is that the wage growth spiral that the Federal Reserve and a lot of people have been pushing the entrenched inflation, you know, we have to create a job loss recession to beat this wage growth year over year is noticeably slowing down for 15 months now. In a wage spiral uh, uh, premise, you need that to accelerate when jobs are being gained and unemployment rate is falling. That premise has been a disaster. And hopefully by now, people can understand, especially the Federal Reserve, that if you're talking about entrenched inflation, your wage growth has to go higher year over year, not lower. So this explains also why the 10-year yield is where it's at, where the two-year yield is where it's at, where the bond market never believed in the Federal Reserve members of entrenched inflation nor other people that have been pushing that, that we need unemployment rates at 6 7 maybe even 8% to, to defeat uh, inflation because of wage, wage spiral running wild. So let's dig in on that a little bit. So you, as part of your, um, this is what it would take for the Fed to, you know, to pivot, to stop raising rates, to really get the message. You had uh, jobs as a big part of that. So what, where are we at with the number that you've said, this is where they could no longer ignore it? So for me, at this point of the economic expansion, since all six of my recession red flags were up on August 5th, 2022, jobless claims data matters more than anything else. This has been the history of US economics post-World War II. But for me, the Fed pivot doesn't mean rate cuts. It means the Federal Reserve will change their entire language. 
Um, that's 323,000 on the four-week moving average. What happened this week is that the, uh, the the government has done some seasonal adjustments to jobless claims. Jobless claims are a little bit higher than than what we have uh, uh, been looking at. Nothing too dramatic, but definitely higher than the trends. But on, on a on a, on a relative basis, job openings was softer uh, this week, but still near 10 million. Jobless claims are still uh, uh, trailing at the lowest levels really in history. So there is no break of the labor market yet. But when jobless claims gets to 323,000 on a four-week moving average, where job openings have been, where the unemployment rate is, the labor market is broke, which the irony of everything is that the Federal Reserve has forecasted a recession this year. And during that forecast, they're telling you they need rates higher. So, um, and this is why it's it was so painful to watch. You know, the Fed members talk about um, where Mester said, you know, I hope we don't break anything. If we raise rates too much, you broke something. The two-year yield, the 10-year yield, everything is not going where you're at because you already broke something. So the, the question is, are these the people that are that far off the grid that they didn't even realize that if you didn't have emergency uh, lending facilities done over a weekend, the city of San Francisco, and by the way, Mary C. Daly is nowhere to be found, um, would be in trouble. Something broke. And if you don't know that, you should not be part of the Federal Reserve. You should not be part of any labor market dynamic institution in the history of the world if you haven't realized that just occurred. Well, and I mean, it's not just um, it's not just SVB Bank and other things that have broken. I mean, they they've made it clear for the last year that they don't care if they break housing. And so today we are um, recording this on Friday. We had news that Home Pe- Home Point basically, you know, sold off its um, is closing down its its origination business selling off its assets to to another thing. And it's like, this is just one of many, many businesses that have been really hurt this year in the housing in- industry. And they've been clear that they don't care if that breaks. No, they, they you, you know, listening to Powell's body language and the way he talked about housing when people said, but if rates go higher, production will f- fall. And he's like, no, there are some some apartment bill or commercial buildings that could be made into condos. That's such a condescending amateur answer, you know? And it's just like, I don't, my belief has always been that the housing market is something internally that they're not very comfortable with because they missed the housing credit bubble. We had the weakest housing recovery ever in the previous expansion. Um, and the narrative that Americans were poor, not very educated, student loan debt crisis, everything. We're on a verge of a big price decline any year now. And then we had the biggest uh, short-term price increase. Uh, it, they're not comfortable with it. So they just basically put their head down and say, okay, whatever. Housing is a recession started in June 16th, 2022, 5.01 PM. And we're about to have the one-year calendar. So that that second calendar year is when the pain actually really starts. Because when you, when we talk about a recession, we talk about Jobs going down, incomes going down. That's what's happened in housing. Production, right? There's no more permits being uh, issued. Uh, permits are down, but the backlog is keeping um, the construction people employed. And construction labor actually fell in this last report. So this is the what you traditionally see in a recession. The the secondary parts would be uh, credit deteriorating, uh, uh, companies going under. We're, we're, we're seeing that in, in the mortgage industry. So they don't care. 
they simply don't care. So don't look for that. This is a Federal Reserve that has actively opened a, a, a war against the labor market by saying that 45 to 4.7% is the target unemployment rate this year. And we believe that we need higher rates during that forecast. So uh, it is what it is. Uh, my job is not to hold anyone's hand or do any marketing thing. I'm, my job is to just basically try to forecast economic cycles and housing cycles. And they made it very apparent uh, for the last 12 months. Whatever happens in the real estate sector, they don't care right now. So uh, uh, your work, uh, I, that's why I said the Fed has abandoned housing. Uh, they're, they're so worried about this 1970s entrenched inflation, even though the bond market, even though wage growth doesn't even uh, agree with anything, that uh, it's really clouded their judgment, and especially in the last Two, two, three months about what what their actual game plan with Fed rate hikes and did they break something? Emergency lendings they're they're kind of all over the place and and they sound confused and that's what I see. I see a bunch of people who are confused and unsure and don't know what to do and and this mindset that growth is a bad thing. You know, there's already people this morning that said, "Oh, we got to hike again." The unemployment rates are down. People are working. You don't want people in charge of the economy when they believe growth is a bad thing. Wage growth falling is inflationary, right? No, the history of pandemics have been very clear going back 800 years. And uh, the bond market, thankfully, everyone, you know, happy Easter for everyone, but everyone should thank the bond market for basically putting the Fed in check, uh, that there was no 1970s inflation. The 10-year yield would be north of like five and a quarter, even eight, 9% if there was. Fed funds rate, two-year yields would be skyrocketing. They never have. So the bond market is very pro-American labor. The Federal Reserve is not. So uh, uh, the, the best thing I could tell the uh, audience listening that thankfully the bond market is smarter than the Fed and they are not old and slow. And uh, that's been a good thing uh, this year. You know, let's talk about mortgage rates. So you've talked about the 10-year and, and the bond market, what it's doing. Um, exciting news too. You know, the Housing Wire has the Mortgage Rate Center, which we've had for a while, but we just upgraded it. And um, we have this uh, amazing new uh input from Optimal Blue and some other things that are much more real time. And so everyone check out the housingwire.com mortgage rate center. It's amazing. So Logan, where are we with mortgage rates? Well, mortgage rates should uh, go up a little bit today. The bond yields, the ten-year yield—it's—it's uh, it's a holiday trading day. There's no stock market going on, and and it's a Friday. The bond market closes early, so don't take anything too seriously. But today's action, but mortgage rates should go up a little bit. But you know, in theory, we should be at like, you know, five five and a quarter percent today if the spreads were normal. But um, the ten-year yield again. My, the whole 2023 forecast was. 3.21% on the low end, four and a quarter on the high end, mortgage rates between 5.75 to seven and a quarter. That was a range. So far, that range has stuck. Um, if the labor market breaks, we should break under. What's occurred is, again, the banking crisis has now pushed the bond market to think that the recession will come faster just because of that. So uh, a, a, a good week on mortgage rates and uh, uh, coming down. But today, most likely uh, pricing will go up uh, a little bit. But again, we we were at 7.37% toward the second half of 2022. We got down to 5.99 once. Uh, we got, we're, we're heading lower. Uh, labor market gets weaker. The bond market should break. 
That's slow dance, right? The reason I wanted everyone to think about slow dance is that the 10-year yield matters uh, more than anything else. And if if that starts to occur, uh, you don't get higher bond yields when wage growth is cooling and the labor market gets weaker. Uh, no, that's not that, the 1970s inflation could make a case about that in the mid 70s and the early 80s, but we don't have that because we're already the two-year yields already breaking down. The 10-year yield isn't really breaking out. So uh, be grateful for that because if you had a 1970s kind of inflationary, the housing market would be in a lot more trouble uh, um, uh, than anybody could imagine, and it's it's just not here. So I I would I would let people know that. Uh, rates falling down this year, not a surprise. And uh, um, wage growth on a year-over-year basis slowing down since the early part of 2022 are positive housing stories going out in the future because it really shows that that 7.37% mortgage rate could have been the top of the cycle uh, because the things that are really driving uh, uh, inflation rates are, have been slowing down for some time now. And we, if you just get the spreads anywhere back to normal, you got mid fives or low five handles uh, uh, just like this, but uh, the the mortgage backed security market is still uh, stressed. Right now we're in the uh, low sixes, like six point two, something like that. Again, you always say, I mean, it's not like that. That's the headline number. That doesn't mean that's what you're getting when you go. You might be getting something. You know, a consumer might be getting a much better deal than that. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good conversation that doesn't really get talked about you know what is the final lock rate because people are buying down rates and and and, and you know so you get seller uh, concessions so uh, to me anytime you're near the six level you're 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 always going to have a five handle for a lot of people that that can push it down so um that's why i said that, you know 7.37 and higher very problematic uh, uh, in the housing market. And um, now definitely you, we just had one of the biggest month to month sales prints in history, right? It's why, because mortgage rates fell, mortgage rates fell. We had 12, 12 weeks of positive forward looking data and, and, and buyers were there. So millions and millions of people working. We're, we're almost, uh, the non-farm payroll is almost, uh, uh over 156 million. So, uh, you, you mortgage, mortgage, uh, the housing cycle doesn't need like 15 million mortgage buyers a year, right? Roughly just needs 4 million and then you have cash buyers or anything. So that's why we saw that big rebound in the month-to-month sales because the waterfall demand collapsed. It's not a demographic story or a credit getting tighter story. It was just an affordability issue and affordability got better and demand picked up. And that's why some of the markets we're seeing right now, people are saying, oh, there's there's too many multiple bids. Well, total active listings are still all-time lows and we didn't get any uh, seasonal inventory push just yet. So that is a perfect segue to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was inventory. So we are talking about this. We're recording this on Friday. This will be published on Monday. And by that time, we will have the housing market tracker up, which is where you look at 10-year yield and mortgage rates, purchase apps, and inventory to give sort of a holistic view of where we are. What do you think? I mean, we have been saying this now for weeks and weeks and maybe even a whole month is like, where is the bottom and where do we start getting some seasonal inventory? So this data this year looks a lot like 2021. 2021, the weekly inventories were actually bottomed out in April and they started to rise. So we've always had seasonal inventory increases. Uh, even in COVID, we had a very brief seasonal increase. And then of course, COVID-19 changed a lot of uh, behavior and demand demand picked up. 
So uh, we should we should get the seasonal inventory uh, uh, push. That 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 would be very abnormal. The new listings data trending lower and lower, um, uh, all time lows this year is it, problematic in the sense that you know there's just some buyers that just go no, not yet. You know, and this the new listings data has been trending lower for many years now. That that that's that story has been here. This is one of the reasons why I'm not a mortgage rate lockdown person, but. It's it, it it'll be interesting the month of April, uh, April. Uh, how I look at purchase application data, uh, the seasonal shift is the second week of January to the first week of May. So April is always a very big month for me. Uh, after May, total volumes traditionally always fall. We haven't had a traditional purchase application data year post twenty twenty at all. So it, it'll be interesting to see that uh, if rates do go lower in the second half of the year. Uh, if let's say the labor market does get weaker, do we see another, it will be the fourth year of purchase application volumes getting better toward the end of the year and then pushing out the seasonal bottom again in 2024. Um, so yeah, this is going to be a very, very fascinating month uh, in the housing market just because rates have fallen, purchase application data has gotten better. Uh, this year, we still have more positive prints than negative prints, and uh, the seasonal inventory buff has to. Ha- I mean, if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen in April, and we're now going to May, you're re- <laughs> you're really getting into some historical uh, 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 factors here. Right. But twenty twenty one was April, so we're gonna just gonna go with that and see see what happens. It just feels like the window is shrinking. That's such a small window. We're in April. If it's if it's the end of May or mid May when when we stop seeing that, like. That's not a very good purchase market, and we desperately need that. It's it's one of these things, you know. Twenty twenty one was April, and then also um, in twenty twenty two March was the bottom. What we traditionally see is that uh, um, the the inventory bottoms, sing, single family listings, usually bottom out in January, and then February, March, and April. Then you see the increase. We don't have that uh, anymore. So I think it's interesting that you said something about like the fact that whatever happens, if we have more inventory come on in the, uh, you know, if, if rate rates go lower and then more people list their homes in the fall, that has the knock on effect of, of pushing out the spring home buying season later, which I just didn't think about before. But like if rates fall, then, then maybe we have a hope of like, it's going to be a September, October story instead of an April, May story. Well, we could talk about it in this light too. While new listings data was at all time lows, we just had one of the biggest month to month sales prints ever. Um, so uh, uh, demand is, you know, people list their homes and then, you know, you get a quick uh, purchase doesn't necessarily add to the acting active listings just because the active listings are, are days on the market in inventory growth. So uh, some people are confused about that. They're like, you know, uh, if inventory is so low, how do we have such a big sales print? Well, you list your homes, you get an offer right there, you sell it, you know, that inventory doesn't hang in there in the active listings reports. You know, the, the NAR has, you know, holds the pendings and that's why uh, th- that number is uh, traditionally higher than other, uh, other inventory. But to me, it's, this story has been here for many, many years. And I, part of it is that people just live in their homes longer and longer. Uh, and you okay, can't um let's talk a little bit about home point uh you know we'd we'd heard rumors for a couple months that this might happen but um sad for us to see home point to shut down originations and it's selling its assets to the loan store what what do you think about that how does that play how does that reflect what what's going on in the market right now 
Housing went into recession on June 16th, 2022, which means that uh, the longer the recession goes, the more painful it is for those in the industry. I think that's the 12th lender that has gone under uh, since that point. So uh, you have a sector that has a lot of overcapacity and you have basically margin wars going on everywhere else. Those two things, you know, with a smaller pie, not good for businesses. I mean, uh, uh, you're very, you have a lot of intense competition for a smaller demand curve. So uh, traditionally, the going into the second calendar year uh, of a recession is when you really to see more, more and more of the pain. I mean, think about if the U.S. was in a recession for over uh, almost a year. Uh, uh, the longer it goes, the the more credit stress you see because people just don't have enough income to pay their payments. Uh, delinquencies start to rise, stuff stuff like that that you traditionally see in, in a recession. And we're in a sector that the Federal Reserve doesn't care. And that's, you know, it, it, you know, once the job loss recession does occur, bond yields will go down, mortgage rates will go down, business demand will pick up. But from here to there, from that June 16th day in 2022, you can see the damage that's being done uh, uh, in the industry. And then if you ask the Federal Reserve, they're just like, uh, housing's weak. Okay. Brilliant observation. So crazy. I mean- <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting. I mean, I mean, the spreads can be the spreads if they got better would actually, uh, uh, help the industry. And, and this is actually one good point and probably, probably the main point of today. Uh, yesterday, James Bullard, our favorite fed person talked about, well, if bond yields go lower, it'll help offset higher rates. So people don't, people don't understand that concept yet, but there's some truth to that. Uh, when I when I write that the Federal Reserve, when the ten year yield starts to go lower, it does some of the easing for the Federal Reserve. The one sector that's in a recession is tied more to long term bond yields than short term. So whether the Fed cuts rates is irrelevant. It's where the ten year yield goes. So we've seen demand pick up while the Federal Reserve has been hiking rates, you know, and and uh, uh, you know doing quantitative tightening or, or in that sense because the ten year yield has fallen. So that in itself, you know, if it keeps on going lower and lower, the Fed in their back of their minds, you could see they're already having this discussion. The one sector is in a recession is housing. Uh, um, what they need to do if they really if they really want to believe in that is not do what Neil Kashkari did on CNBC, where he goes on TV. Oh, my God, 6% mortgage rates. That means people are buying homes, they're having sex, and then they're going to have kids, and then they're going to buy more stuff. We can't have that. You can't. You can't do that act anymore at this stage. We've we front loaded so much of the rate hikes because the whole point was to stop and have the lagging impact hit in, not to raise rates and then all of a sudden freak out when you see uh, a, a growth still going. So they're confused, Sarah. Sarah, they're just confused. They're all over the place now. They don't even realize there was a banking crisis. I mean, they literally Mester went on national TV and said. Uh, 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 higher unemployment rates, rates need to go higher. Wage growth is already cooling down. You'll see that in the uh, article that uh, that will come out on Friday. So they just can't take the victory. They they are old and slow. They are old and slow. Well, I hate to see another lender go under, and we hope that more don't. That's just terrible for our industry. 
But I, but I did want to end today's podcast talking about something that happened three years ago today. We talked about at the beginning, and that was you wrote something called the America's Back Recovery Model. And it was really singular and stellar. So 2020, three years ago, we were right in the middle of COVID and it was scary. Like nobody really knew what was going to happen. Um, it was, it was a time of like shutdowns and, you know, people working from home, which now so many of the things that we do now that seem so normal were just brand new back then. And there was a huge sense of fear and pessimism, except for my friend, Logan Motoshami. And so to commemorate that day, for those of you who are listening, I'm showing. I got a birthday cake, or maybe it's an anniversary cake. I don't know, but this is worthy of celebrating because it was such a pivotal uh, point for you and for Housing Wire, and also just for you know people to understand what was happening. You made a call that was very controversial at the time. We had people who were like, you know, why are, should you really publish this? It's a pretty big deal. So tell us what happened three years ago today. You know, the 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 America's Back Recovery Model. What we had in the previous expansion is from 2010 on to, to this year today, we've had so many recession calls by Wall Street and by economists and every, none of them worked, right? None of them, none of them, because what I see is a bunch of people that don't actually have models, right? So if you don't have a model, you're just making stuff up. So what, what happened on April 7th on that day was the St. Louis Financial Stress Index was already recovering. And the 10-year yield was above 62 basis points. Now, I, I don't want to make this super complicated or nerdy, but because those two things were there, that was my trigger date for the recovery of America in 2020. Now, of course, back then, as you can imagine, bombarded by you're a lunatic, you're crazy, you're a permable, you're yes, no, we have recession. Anybody who's a, who believes in models cannot be a perma anything. Right, stock traders can just make up stuff all the time, but people who believe in models said, "Okay, on this date, we're going to start the recovery. We're going to give people certain data lines and dates." You know, we talked about May 18th being very uh, uh, crucial. We're talking about during the during that year by June, kind of uh, June 15th, you're going to see housing data recover because household balance sheets were good going into this recession, which is still my talking point today. Uh, the demographics are much different. We are going to have a recovery, and by the end of this year, the final thing was on December 9th. Uh, December 9th, the 10-year yield got to uh, uh, almost a 1%. It was like 99 basis points. I said, okay, retired. Uh, um, everything of the recovery model actually connected the dots. If you if you have a proper model, you connect the dots, you can see the recovery. And the thing was that nobody believed the recovery, too. Everyone was like, oh, something bad's going to happen still, L-shape, K-shape, whatever shape. Garbage, right? The post two thousand eight to two thousand fourteen economic takes were garbage because uh, it became sexier to be an extreme left wing or right wing political economic theory person. And I hate political economic theory. I thought it was garbage. So you have to show people models to you know to do this. And if it didn't work, then my whole economic model thing would blow up, blow apart. But it connected the dots. Because we want people to be the detective, not the troll. So then, during that whole expansion, you know, we're just updating it and telling people. And then, uh, what during what whole expansion? During the year of 2020, the economy bottomed. Then, after April, every single year was growth. It was the fastest, greatest recovery we've ever seen in U.S. history. Uh, but you have to keep going, 
right? You have to keep tracking data every single month, every single week. So you give people an idea how this works. And uh, I, and I know it, it seemed crazy because people were stuck in 2008, right? So e- even when we talk about the jobs report today, right? Uh, if you actually, if we didn't have COVID, we would, should be like 157, 158, 159 million around their jobs. So some of the labor is just still in makeup demand. It's confusing because the Fed tells you that nobody wants to work or whatever. We can't find workers. We have 166 million people um, that are uh, 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 st- uh, in the civilian labor force. The people that aren't working really are like part-time people 70 and over. Like that labor market hasn't recovered. Okay. Like the biggest pool of labor. All right. We're, I think we'll be okay. So in that context, all the pathological lying that happened after 2010, about 96 million people are out of work or everyone's a part-time worker. Never, it's 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 never. So for me, and, and, and to be honest with you, Sarah, this is the only reason I'm writing. It, it started in 2015 for me. We have to destroy as many American bears until they are dead, until I'm dead, right? So their children and their spouses and their family relatives could see them for who they are, pathological liars. And then from that, explain to people how to look at economic models and how it really works in the real world. And then when you can teach that, and then people will know themselves, right? And then they learn, and then they realize that they don't have to be manipulated anymore. And if I had one criticism of the macroeconomic world is that the economists out there don't realize how much bad information is out in the public because this is modern day warfare, right? Uh, uh, And people go on social media and lie all the time. And my job is to basically teach models. And that's really the only reason I hear. I mean, I I was going to be, I was ready to tell Clayton, I'm giving my 30 days because America back is retired on December 9th. And that's all I really wanted to do. And this is but in 2020. Four, yeah, this is in 2020. I was going to be done writing. That was it. Then, but then I was thinking, the forbearance crash bros, what is this? And I realized these people will never stop, right? They will never stop. Darkness never, ever becomes the light, right? That's the internal battle. So some of us have to always stay in here and try to teach people you know, bond markets, mortgage rates, economic cycles, literally why I'm here every day. That's why I look at economic data all day, all night, and uh, trying to teach people in the real estate and the mortgage industry how economic cycles work, what they should do about. And that's why we do the dancing thing, right? Let's 10-year yield, mortgage rates, dancing together, lovely couple. They can drift apart a little bit while they're dancing, but they're slow dancing all the time. And in that way, we could explain what drives the bond market, what drives mortgage rates. I think a um, lot of 2020 the f- was the peak of the housing, what you call the housing bubble boys, who were just calling for it constantly. It was one of the most searched things on our site. Housing bubble 20, I mean, uh, housing crash 2020, um, you know, what was going to happen. And so we were so, we were really happy to have you on. And, and, crucial to your work is the 10-year yield, which not a lot of people talk about. They talk about mortgage rates, but not the 10-year yield. And so that's why you uh, created the housing market tracker. And one of the things you track is the 10-year yield, because that was one of the things that showed you in that in in that time what was going to happen. It's one of the, the hallmarks now that you look at. 
Yes. And uh, I started, you know, doing 10 year channel work in 2015. And uh, from like 2015 to 2020, literally, it was the same forecast, we're going to be in a range between 1.6 to 3%, you know, uh, three and a quarter to 4.75 mortgage rates trends. It was really only in 2018 that 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 long term uh, range was actually challenged. And 2019 said rates are going to go lower. Uh, even talked about a one handle, you know, sub four percent mortgage rates in 2019. The only person on record, I think, uh, I know the Wall Street Journal had like 50 economists, everybody had rates up. But if you look at the 10 year yield chart and stuff like that, you could see what's going on. COVID 19 put a huge, you know, variable changing thing in history. I think tracking high velocity data is complicated, but we try to do it as best. So that's why the tracker was was created, just so people can understand. But uh, the ten-year yield matters. Credit matters. Demographics matter, right? I'm a demographics person, right? We years 2020 to 2024 as the biggest housing demographic patch ever recorded in history. That was in the census. That was in there for people to read for decades. It was there. These people just don't disappear, right? This isn't like the Logan's Run book where everyone dies at 21, right? They're 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 <laughs> it was there. Thirty, right? Huh? It, was, it was thirty. Thirty was the was movie, it? but the book was 21. Oh, okay. Okay, see, people forget about that. that, right? The book you died at twenty one, so yeah. Uh, I think that was a little bit too grim for a movie, so they made it at thirty because you know the <laughs> actors is could could be all teenagers, but um, you know there th- these things matter, and 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 I know it's not exciting. Trust me, I am trying to make economics as entertaining as possible. Um, which but- you do, <laughs> yes, which you do. So we just wanted to say thank you so much. Um, I will be eating. A piece of this cake by myself. Uh, I, thank you so much for for giving me this opportunity, and um, thank you, Logan, for for being on and not quitting at the end of 2020. Uh, your writing, because I feel like it's super important, and just want to say thank you. You're welcome. And it wasn't quitting; it was just retiring. I, I was only going to write for one. Oh, cycle, I'm sorry. Yes, we don't listen. Quit your, your basketball coach and you. You're like, don't say quitting. That no, is not don't say quitting. quitting. No, but uh, if anybody wants to uh, kind of uh, have an idea, um, uh, we'll we'll tag the final article of the. Uh, America's back recovery model. And it, it amazed Wall Street. There was like a 90 minute podcast interview with a Wall Street person in that in that in that link, where we just literally go over point by point what happened, because it's not the final answer, Sarah, it's the why. Because if you understand the why, then the whole world opens up to you. And that's the beauty of math and numbers and everything. It's just that it can all connect the dots, you know, and that's why models are really uh, uh, needed. And then you could make sense of a lot of the things that are happening. I love it. And we will continue to tap that insight and wisdom. Logan Motoshami, have a great weekend. Thanks for being on. We have a Slack channel at HW that publishes all the new registered users for our HW events, like the Gathering of Eagles coming up in June and Housing Liar Annual coming up in October. I was just scrolling through the Gathering of Eagles feed on Slack, and wow, I am blown away with the quality of the attendees. Leaders from Keller Williams, Better Homes and Gardens, EXP, Compass, Hannah Holdings, Remax, and Home Services 
and incredible ecosystem partners like Zillow, Austin Board of Realtors, New Western Acquisitions, UWM and Bright MLS, just to name a few. If you aren't familiar with GOE, this is our real estate brokerage event for the most elite brokers, teams, MLS execs, and state and local association of realtors leaders. June 18th through 21st in Austin, Texas at the amazing Omni Barton Creek Resort. Visit the events tab on realtrends.com or housingwire.com to register. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.